the good old days of prison where you know you 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 traded smokes for things you needed like posters of of broads and such yeah steve there's no greater evidence of your abundant privilege that you have a romanticized view of prison (laughs) you know the good old days of prison where men were men and men did other men (laughs) (laughs) happy pride month everybody (laughs) Ah, uh, nothing like a good old prison shag. You know what I'm saying? Oh God, is this shag? Really- <laughs> shag? Oh my God. Sure. <laughs> Welcome to the Song yeah, Tops Report, everyone. Make- no, no, we have to. Much like the uh, band we're covering had to perform this music, which is a true story, which we'll get to. Uh, but this is the Song Tops Report, where we dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. I'm your host, Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm OzFan89, Steve Trollinger. OzFan89? The TV show Oz. Ah. Would, that would be... It would, oh, the, that prison show. Yeah. But I will still say, happy Pride Month. We uh, this, this will be our first episode released uh, during the month of June. We had to take last week off. Um, but we're so glad to be back because this week... Eh. Meh? Steve, Steve, is it is it because you actually are aware of the artists we're covering this week that you're not, you know, enthused because you should. Be. I can say with absolute honesty, Nick, that it wouldn't matter what we were covering today, I would be in the same mood. God damn it, Steve! We're covering a band called The Shags who released this album in 1969. Nice. Mike, I can, I mean, al- <laughs> Mike, I can always rely on you to pick up the pertinent details that somehow slipped through my research. Uh, but yes, this is a very exciting episode. I, d- I don't know if it's just because people are starting to get vaccinated and come out of the pandemic, but uh, I am feeling so enthused that we're covering this album, which I think this is actually going to have to be a two-part episode because this Ooh, album, two-parter. Philosophy of the World by the Shags, is a holy grail of bad, bizarre, and noteworthy music. I I had this on the list of things to cover when I first came up with the idea to do this podcast, and I, I just wanted to make sure that when we did cover it, we gave it its due diligence and executed it with with the sense of gravitas and awe that it deserves. Because Mike, you are you have not heard this before, right? I have not. I do. I have not heard the Shags, uh, but I already love them. I think this is going to be great. <laughs> oh, and I, or am I horribly wrong? I mean, the way Steve's looking at me right now. I, well, for our listeners who have not heard the Shags before, I'm about to play a, cl- a clip of a song, but just to give you, just to set the stage a little bit in terms of how this group formed, I want you to imagine a young man. You don't have to imagine this because this is actually what happened. A young man got his palm read by his mother at one point in his relative youth. And she predicted three things would come true for her son. The first thing was that he would marry a strawberry blonde woman. The second thing was that her son would have two daughters after she had died. And the third thing was that these daughters would form a popular music group. Now, the first two things came true. Uh, this man, whose name was Austin Wiggins, he did marry a strawberry blonde woman. He did have two daughters after she died. And he was so convinced by those first two things that he wanted to make the third thing true, that his daughters would form a popular music group. That group became known as the Shags. And to hear a little example of what they came up with, uh, here's one song called My Pal Foot Foot that came from this artist. My pal Foot Foot. Oh no. Next. My name is Foot Foot Foot. He always likes to roam. My pal's name is Foot Foot Foot. I never find him home. I go to his house, knock at his door. People come out and say, Foot Foot, don't live here no more. My pal Foot 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 Foot. Oh, oh God, Nick. Yes, Mike. Nick, I call me crazy. Um, I don't think these girls uh, studied band in school. I I don't think they had any sort of musical knowledge. 
On the contrary, on the contrary, if you've heard almost any school band, you know that they definitely went to teach and learn. If this isn't a public school music education at work, I don't know what is. Although, yes, Mike, as a a former percussionist, this must be awful for you. Where's the beat, Nick? This, they're just, they're just. Well, so here's the interesting thing, Mike. (laughs) They had a lot of practice. It was the conditions under which they had to practice that had some influence on them. But to lay the foundation a little bit, the Shags were an American all-female rock group of outsider music. Now, I didn't know that what exactly outsider music was, but it had its own Wikipedia page, so I followed it. And outsider music is defined as music created by self-taught or naive musicians, which sounds incredibly condescending. <laughs> But regardless, uh, they were formed in Fremont, New Hampshire in 1968. The band was composed of three sisters, Dorothy, quote-unquote, Dot Wiggins, who was vocals and lead guitar, Betty Wiggins, who was vocals and rhythm guitar, and, excuse me, Helen Wiggum on drums. They were ages 18 to 22 when they recorded this album, just to give some context for how old they were. Now, we already established why they were formed. They didn't have an active desire to make music. Their dad was so bent on fulfilling the last part of the palm reading his mom gave him that he pulled them out of school. He pulled his three daughters out of school. He bought them instruments and arranged for them to receive music and vocal lessons. So these the three girls you're listening to who are performing this were pulled out of school, bought instruments, and told by their dad, you're going to become a band, and then forced to take music lessons and vocal lessons. This will be your life. (laughs) Here's your career. That's it. Although, you you know, Nick, I get that they had no say in the matter and their father forced this upon them, but... Jesus, you think they would have learned a thing or two getting all these lessons and not even having to deal with school? Are you? I mean, <laughs> I mean, how do you? How do you still suck? <laughs> well, if I remember, if I remember correctly, they don't suck, but they were edited to suck. Is that, that no what happened? That was a rumor, actually. Just like this show, where Mike and I <laughs> don't suck, we are edited to suck. As much as humanly possible. Steve, if, yeah. if, edited Thanks, to, Nick. Steve, if Edited to Suck does not become the title of your autobiography, I'm not reading whatever you write. <laughs> that would be a really... That would be a great title. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, the Wigan sisters have said in subsequent interviews that they were aware that they just had mistakes that were recorded and those were the, st- the takes that ended up staying. Because the album, that uh, all no, the but, music but were then- just... Oh, what? But then, then they discovered like actual tracks from their like rehearsing, and they were perfectly fine. Like they were in tune, they were on beat. There are the Wiggins, the Wiggins sisters of the Shags. There are there were some tracks that came out in like bootleg and little one offs that showed uh, after they recorded this, they could maintain some semblance of a beat. <laughs> And melody. It's more like just imagine. I feel like uh, the Shags were kind of caught in a similar way, like when someone starts YouTubing when they're incredibly young, and like ten years later you come across it and it's still on the internet and has tons and tons of views. Now, just imagine if the only video people ever saw of you was not when you actually maybe started figuring it out a little bit, but the only thing people watched were those first videos where you had no clue what you were doing. So that's sexism oh, you mean, in video games. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yes, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. exactly. Philosophy that's, of the world that's... is the sexism in video games that Mike Russell performed. <laughs> Why? Mike, hey, Mike, remember when you when you wrote and, uh, and filmed that whole series of videos and we were all in it and they were like perfectly edited and really professionally well done and how nobody watched those but everybody watches that thing you came up with at the last minute for that one <laughs> class in college uh, Mike, I can add yeah. a link do you remember that like, Mike? Wait, f- Nick, this is very important for me to ask. Mike, do you remember that? Yes, I remember that Steve. I mean, I, like a hundred times the amount of views. I mean, how fucked is that? Mike, that I can is- add a link in the show notes to this episode to the mostly watchable stuff that you saw on YouTube. Because listeners, it's some great stuff. I would argue the best comedy to come out of Plattsburgh. And I think oh, that can actually be wow. a true statement. 
It's not just witch burnings. They do also have some comedic talent. Oh, wait. No, wait. Hold on. Uh, oh, I'm, uh, it looks like Charlie Chaplin used to live in, in Plattsburgh. I'm so sorry. I don't know. I think the statement still stands. Whoa, Nick, are you not a fan of Mr. Chap? No, I'm just a bigger fan of you. Oh, <laughs> A very heartwarming episode of the Songtopsy Report. So, regarding their father forcing them to play instruments, Dot uh, later said her dad was, quote, something of a disciplinarian. He was stubborn and he could be temperamental. He directed, we obeyed, or did our best, was how she described the relationship under which they made this album. Oh my, did he pick the name? Yes. Don't tell me. Yes. Uh, he, oh, Austin named no. the shags after the popular shag hairstyle and as a reference to shaggy dogs, which what a wonderful that's, foundation. That's what it's referencing? Yep. They they make their dad sound like the world's most easygoing supervillain. It's like, all right, we only have two options when we went to, to obey our Lord and Master. We either obey completely or do our best. Those are the two things he asked for. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, did you set did you set that nuclear explosive like I uh, told you to? Ah, gosh, you know I really tried. I couldn't get as close as you wanted, so I put it in the Starbucks. I, look, I, I'm pretty sure it'll still work. All right, you get the, you get away with it this time, but no pudding from the commissary. You did try your best, but yeah, basically, if if Michael Jackson's dad just had kids with no talent, I think that's kind of what the shags <laughs> like. They could have been the shags, I feel like. Uh, so that so their hairstyle is the shag because I'm looking at this photo here. Yeah, the album of their album, and and they they do have shaggy kind of hair. I mean, it's long and like, is that what it is? Is that what it's? After? I don't even know if it was that. Like I remember when we were discussing Eiffel 65 and the song Blue Daba D. How so many like legendary names of things become so because of just randomness and i almost feel like their dad austin just looked around saw one of his daughter's haircut and was like the shaggy shaggy the shags yes you the know, money prints itself now now i would have to do research on my urban dictionary but <laughs> i mean was he aware of the sexual you know like um History of the word shag. I, to be honest, I don't know. I honestly don't Actually, know how. Actually, because Austin Powers like is all about shagging, and he was based off the sixties. But so, I don't I mean, know if if three girls or, or this family specifically the that way are they sounded. 18, 19, and twenty-two in Fremont, New Hampshire. It's po it truly is possible that just certain aspects uh, of pop culture didn't shot. make it all the way there. And would you trust your dad to be hip? To what lingo the kids are saying when he's naming the band himself? That'd be like being it'd be like being called the Roots in Australia. You know what I mean? Like, why? What does that mean? When you root something, you're fucking it. Ah, or you root for the team. You know, we talked about this during that one baseball episode about so uh, oh, taking out to the ball game. When I'm That's saying <laughs> root, root, root for the home team, I'm just doing it in the bleachers in the hopes that <laughs> hopes that they score a run off of it. So he formed. So he he formed this band, by which I mean he forced his children to pick up instruments. Um, and starting in 1968, he arranged for them to play regularly. Um, and the, the the main places the Shags performed, at least at first, were at the town hall, the Freeman Town Hall, and a local nursing home between 1968 and 1973. Those were oh, their. And I I, I main distinctly locations. recall uh, an uptick in elder care mortality rate in Fremont, New Hampshire. But you know what? I was in, when I played trumpet, I was in a local orchestra, and we played for a nursing home, and they were very receptive to it, which is why I feel especially bad if nursing home, because I feel like nursing homes don't ever get, like, the choice of who they want to play. They just kind of get whoever will show up. And I feel like that's not fair, because they deserve good music as well. Like, the Rolling Stones will never play... At a nursing home. Despite the fact they could all be in a nursing home right now, for God's sake. You know, maybe that's how it should be. Like, whenever a band, all the members are over 65, it's like, you're new, you, now you gotta do old people venues. You, yeah. gotta, you gotta... Good, that's where all the money is still. That's right. Boomers still Fucking have boomers. money. So, despite this, despite um, the kind of, I guess, low profile that the band was currently at in terms of where they were playing uh, their dad was still convinced that they could be a big band and so he 
dumped most of his savings into recording an album, which became Philosophy of the World. He drove the girls uh, to a studio in Massachusetts, and it was one of this fly-by-night record companies called Third World Recordings, which, come on, why would you call yourself that, knowing exactly... I don't know. That's that's a we, disgrace to the to the music to the good culturally like uplifting music found in many third world countries. Um, but the the quote that their dad said apparently, or at least Dot said when talking about her dad, was that he was determined to get them on tape. Quote while they were still hot, like he thought that they were burning up the local town hall slash nursing home circuit and really wanted to capitalize on that. So they recorded this album in a day. That everything you're about to hear, they just plowed through it. In a what? single day. Yes. So what you're saying is, what you're saying is, this is a this is a refutation of our sort of hit upon theory of making good music re- requires you to put as little time and effort into it as possible. Well, they put time into the songwriting. Like Dot, um, the lead vocalist and lead guitarist, uh, was also the songwriter, and they did sheet music existed for this. They did try to put it all down and perform it. This was not, as much as it might sound like, just a bunch of people who've never picked up an instrument trying to play instruments, thought went into this. You know, I feel like Dot was real good. You know what I mean? And maybe the other two things she didn't want to do. (laughs) I mean, she's writing the music, she's writing the songs, and she's got to deal with her... There are two sisters. The one on drum. Wait, Dot's not the one on drums, right? She's no, a, that she's, was um, she's a lead vocalist and, gu- and guitar. It was Helen on drums and Betty on rhythm guitar. All right, Helen and Betty were holding Dot back. I think she, you know. I think you know the dad didn't want to. He doesn't pick favorites, which is you know good parenting style. But so you got Dot was the Beyonce of the Destiny's Child that was the Shags. Yes. There she might was be head, something she, to that. She, she was top shag lady. That's it. Which was not like, a great nickname to have in high school. And, <laughs> now, Nick, does part of you not maybe maybe this was a father who pushed his daughters too far for something that they had no interest in, but do you also think maybe he was just so proud? I mean, where he, these girls could do no wrong in his eyes and ears. So all he is hearing is the beautiful sounds of his children. And he's like, this is magical. You know, just... No. Mike, I can't, I can't speak to what he was thinking, but I will say he did die of a heart attack in 1975, and his daughters immediately stopped playing and for the most part, didn't pick up their instruments again until one point later in the future, which we will get to in the second part of this that we do. But in the meantime, we're going to go through this whole album because I tried to just pick out a few songs and you can't. Like the entire album is necessary to understand maybe where they were coming from and kind of how some of this got put together. So with that, let's get into the album. A dissection is imperative. So we're going to start right at the top with the title track, uh, Philosophy of the World. Now, Philosophy of the World sums up kind of what the Shag's, I guess, outlook on the, the philosophy of the world is. So uh, we will play it from the beginning. Okay, you know what? Uh, It's terrible, but the 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 meaning of the of the words. I mean, it's not wrong. No, it's the lot. It has no it has no inherent logic to it whatsoever. Tell me exactly. Tell me exactly what the poor people uh, got that the rich people want. And if you say something stupid like family or heart or love, you can go straight to hell. No. Um, so, look, you know, okay, what the poor people got, right? Now, if we're going stereotypical, because you got to go stereotypical here. Stereo, stereotypically, rich people are either, 
And this isn't fair because there are some poor people who work three jobs and they're still poor. Like they can't, it doesn't matter how much they're working, they're getting paid shit, they're getting taken advantage of. But I think in the minds of the shags here is that, you know, like these financial, let's say the financial banker people, right? They're so, I mean, they're out, they're out work. They're all, they're at work for like 60 plus hours a week. And they, again, this is all stereotypical, not in every case, but I'm just saying, but like, and they typically, what, are so obsessed with work and they're constantly answering emails and always answering the phone and, 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 and like talking overseas and discussing the markets and doing a lot of cocaine and having poor family lives. And they're just, I mean, they're dedicating everything to work. Um, but they got a shitload of money. They, they essentially live these uh, fantastical lives. But feels empty for them because they don't truly have connections with people because they've become so obsessed with money and greed. And it, you know, it, it, it changes you. And so I think they kind of have this desire for, oh, man, what if I had a more simple life? Like, like and not, I mean, maybe, maybe poor. Maybe you should say, like, the rich people want what, like, the middle class people's got. You know, like. <laughs> Where, like, the essentials are covered, but maybe they have a little bit better balance or, of. I'll, Although, you know, but maybe there is a certain freedom to not working at all. You know, like... Yeah, it's called freedom from work. Because Mike, I, are you advocating I mean, for universal basic income right now on the podcast? He's either he's either advocating for, for UBI or he's the world's shittiest Mark Twain impersonator. Yeah. yeah. But then... But and the people want. No, it's not. Know, he, Mike didn't write the Prince and the Pauper. He wrote the Prince and the kind of well-off guy. I mean, like he's not starving, but like he just doesn't have quite as much money. You know what I heard? Someone was telling me there there are there are some like in countries in in Africa where you know people are living there and maybe they don't have a whole lot of money, but they they you know grab fruit right off the tree, and it's it's not like living here in New York City. What this? I'm not. I'm serious. And, like, it's a different kind of life. Yeah, it's it's one thing, like, poverty is one thing, but happiness is not specifically tied to wealth. And there are instances, yes, where, like, maybe you could walk and, like, pick fruit up, and that's just your life. Whereas when I do it, I'm told to leave the Whole Foods. But it's not just a matter of where you're living, you know? And I think that's really guys, what the shags are getting guys, at. Everybody knows, everybody knows that when you... Look, saying... Look, we might not have. Look, we might not have a lot of money, but we're happy. It's just something poor people say to make themselves feel better. <laughs> that is, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I mean, have you ever? It's sort of like it's sort of like how when you say, "Oh, there's an inner beauty in all of us." That's just something ugly people Guys, say. Guys, I love <laughs> how the first two lines of the first song of this album we have to cover have already sparked such discussion because this is the philosophy. This is the title track. This is ostensibly the Shags' philosophy on things. Um, I will say, though, when they say, and the skinny people want what the fat people got, as a skinny-ish person, I'm told I'm skinny, I don't, I'm trying to think what fat people have that I don't have. Food. Food, food yeah. that you can eat. Food, Nick, they got that. Okay, that's related to my autoimmune pizza. disorder. They got, they got. <laughs> and the celiac people want what the non-celiac people have. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like so far, Mike and I both have horrible takes on things, but one of us is having accidental ones, and other ones are having on-purpose ones. You know, that whole issue of accidentally having good or bad takes and purposefully is actually very similar to the Shag's music themselves in terms of people like... This band is very well-known, and um, Frank Zappa said they were one of his favorite brands. Kurt Cobain put this oh, album... Oh, oh, well, if Frank Zappa signs off on them, they must be... They must be real artists of the mainstream. Kurt Cobain called this one of his favorite albums, and I think it's because uh, some nugget of earnestness does come through in this music. We got to cover, I think, there have been uh, many requests for us to cover a Frank Zappa album at some point. So let me just say, let, stay tuned at some point, listeners, because I can see that in the, in the scope. Uh, but let, let's hear a little bit more of their philosophy. In the You can never please anybody in this world. Do you have? Oh, well, listen, I know some people will never find the G spot, but let's be honest. Okay. Why don't you just try a little harder 
And you can, I mean, what do you mean you can never please anybody? As a people pleaser, I think you can't please everybody. That's true. But you can never please anybody? That's actually an important like, distinction, Mike. Uh, that's a good point. They don't say you can never please everybody, which I feel like is what they're trying to convey. That people will always want, the grass is always greener, so to speak. But they're saying you can never please anybody. Nobody will ever be pleased, yeah. which I'm starting uh, to believe more and more th that I live in this world. Well, you you mentioned earlier you mentioned earlier the Rolling Stones had had some opinion on them or uh, Nick I can't remember what you said. No, I said exactly. that the Rolling Stones should have been in the nursing home that they were performing in. Oh yeah, so they they uh, they actually they heard this song and actually forced them to change the one of the titles of their songs because it uh, it used to be called "You Can't Always Get What You Want," but if you try some time, you just might not find you can't get what you don't need. Maybe, <laughs> and then that inspired them to change it to the more recognized title. Learn it. I, that didn't come across my research, Steve. But thank you for thank you for letting me know. Uh, Mike likes it. Screw you, Nick. Really, hey, Mikey, really he likes it. Like, I really did like that. <laughs> exactly pl playing polyrhythms but somehow none of them seem to be playing the same song at the same tempo and yet it doesn't fall apart the song does still progress and i think that's the beautiful thing about the shags i don't think it's progressing nick they seem to have the same point in a myriad different ways of saying the exact same that's point. that's good songwriting steve you have a point and you hammer at home because we probably don't even need to listen to any more of this song it's literally just variations the girls with short hair want long hair girls with long hair want short hair boys with cars want motorcycles and boys with motorcycles want cars which seems like a financial thing they could just buy them um it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you see. There will always be someone who disagrees. We do our best. We try to please. But we're like the rest, we are never at ease. Uh, well, now, to that, I can give them that last line there. But we're like the rest, we are never at ease. And that is the human nature that continues to push us um, to, uh, to keep striving for more. You know, you just never can reach that full satisfaction. You can have moments of great satisfaction, but then afterwards you're like, well, now what? Because it's uh, always, what's next? Let's go. Um, and I, you know, listen, you know, I think, and I think that's not maybe, maybe, maybe that's not everybody, but I feel, I feel like a lot of people like that. I feel like within myself a lot, you know, I'm always wondering, like, what, what more can I do? What's going to be next? What? And even when you have a real good day and stuff's going awesome, and you're like, that was great. And then as soon as you hit a plateau, you're like, I need more. You know, life is like a drug, Nick. It's like... Life is like a drug. It'll eventually kill you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my philosophy of the world. Life is like a drug. Eventually, your family will abandon you. It's not abandoning if they die, Steve. That's, a, that's just how it goes. And they live forever within your heart and spirit. You know, isn't that the beautiful thing about, I don't know, this crazy universe we're in? Hey, really a lot to think about. Um, but speaking of a lot to think about, so obviously, so the Shags, they start their album off with probably the most philosophically deep song on the album. But they also do just have some fun bops as well. Uh, and in fact, the next song is one such song. It's called That Little Sports Car. Uh, Mike, I feel like you've described on this podcast some car rides that would fit the bill of what it sounds like the Shags went on. Oh, <laughs> are you are you talking about when I took my convertible Mustang and crashed it into a swamp? Well, you crashed that it into the uh, swamp. There wasn't there one time you woke up and you had driven in someone's yard. <laughs> well, 
Oh, well, actually, there was one time, Nick. There was one time I was driving down the highway in my Pontiac Grand Prix. And, um, and as I was going, I looked down to change the radio station. And I looked up, and there was a deer. And I, I just went, oh, no, 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 no. And I closed my eyes uh, while screaming that. It would be great if you said, oh, dear, oh, dear. And but, I th- oh, and God. also, Mike, you close your eyes. I mean, Nick, at this point, I, well, you know, I was convinced I'm, I'm gonna hit this thing at 65 miles an hour in a little Pontiac Grand Prix. Like, what, what else can you do? Um, so I shut my eyes and I scream, <laughs> and uh, I feel a big thud, but I'm not dead, and I'm still moving. So I open my eyes and uh, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with my car. There's no deer through my windshield, and I'm still on the highway. So I, uh, you know, I keep going. I'm a little shook up, and I, I pull over to a gas station, and I get out of, uh, I get out of my car, and, I, and, I, and I'm looking at it because I'm like, I, I know I something had to happen, and swedged into my headlight on the left, on the driver's side, is a big fluffy tail. I stole the deer's tail. Guys, I'm not even joking. And I left it in there for the rest of the time I owned it. I was just like, I got, and I mean, I mean, eventually through weather and stuff, it kind of washed it away. But like, I was like, this is, this is my good luck tale. I got to keep this thing in here. Like, I mean, I, actually, I don't think it's so much good luck, Mike, because I think what happened was is you, you were about to hit the deer. And the deer looked over and said, oh, shit, that guy's got his eyes closed. And then he <laughs> ran away as fast as he could. Yeah. Yeah, deer have to be careful of reckless drivers. It's not the opposite, like I you think. I'm just trying to imagine, like, he must have tried to jump or something, and I must have scooted his butt. Like, what, you think, how do you think he felt landing after that one? Like, oh, no more tail. Like, you think you think you would be a trendsetter or that the ladies wouldn't be interested anymore? You know, like, if uh, you're I think he's more, probably, he was probably more thinking, ow, I have a gaping wound in my ass. Please, God, please, God, stop the pain. Or however that translates into deer speak. Uh, okay, so, hmm, Mike, I'm, I'm almost wondering if I can try to proceed with the lyrics of the song, assuming that the shags are talking about you, because uh, they follow the sports car, the one that, uh, following is like riding on a roller coaster, uh, and then they proceed. Around the corners and over the He stopped to get some gas and also check his headlights to see the deer tail. <laughs> I've got a fast car. Is it fast enough so I can drive away? I just feel like these girls are rushing it. You know, why why don't they just take a take a take a second? I feel like they're going in like one sixteenth time. And it's like, you know, why don't you take this at like a three four measure? Oh, I you you're talking musically. <laughs> I thought you meant like it's kind of fast to the the fact the song tells us, essentially is saying, they saw a guy, oh, I think I know him, and just proceed to follow him. Like, whoa, girl, slow down. You, maybe you don't know this guy. You don't know where he's driving to. But also, yes, well, time signature-wise. He's, he, he's got a sports car, Nick. He might be a pretty cool dude. I don't or he might be driving into a swamp. We don't know. We don't know yet. Doesn't, doesn't make him a less cooler dude, okay? Listen. It makes him more cool, if anything. Um, I'm noticing, this is only two songs, but... Uh, I'm. I wonder. So these these so the songs were written by one of the one of the three band members. Yes, you said yes. Dot. And they didn't want to be musicians. No, so, no. They, so here's they essentially did this he, album under duress. So when somebody forces you to do something you don't want to do, especially if it's a creative venture, let's say a podcast, for example. Exactly. I <laughs> I I feel like the easiest thing to do to get through it because you don't care about it is to look around at things around you things that have already been done and just sort of crib and maybe like it's like all right well this i don't know much about music or songs but i like these songs i'll just do my own versions of these songs so because it i made this joke before but it almost seems like the first song could have easily been uh, like their take on 
you can't always get what you want by the Rolling Stones, yeah. which would be a massive leap in logic to take if it was by itself. But now you have a song here called That Little Sports Car that seems to me like Little Deuce Coop by the, uh, by the Beach Boys, which are all, I believe, songs that came out around the same time or within the same few years. Interesting take. I'd be intrigued if any of the other songs on this album can maybe sound like really, really, really shitty forced versions of songs that already existed in the 60s. Well, it's it's interesting. Like, I've noticed, I've listened to this album quite a few times over the years, uh, and I've noticed there is a logic to the songwriting. Now, usually with songs, people are playing a chord progression and then singing notes. What they do is one of them is actually playing every single note of the vocal melody. They're playing that on guitar. It's just they're too slow. So you're hearing the vocals and then the guitar is out of tune and slowly trying to catch up with it while the drummer is doing something totally different. The drummer, Helen, I think was the drummer. Um, I think she was just in a corner, just kind of like dicking around and having a good time because none of the drum pattern follows anything that is happening with the rest of the instruments. Mike, as, as our senior percussion analyst, an analyst on this podcast. Nick, the oh, Helen's the weakest link of this band. I mean, I know I said Dot's the strongest, but I'm tired this. <laughs> she's throwing that bass drum pedal in every whenever the fuck she feels like. I mean, like, you, you know, like, it feels, it's just it's the most fun. It's a, it's a three-piece set, for Christ's sakes. I mean, you got the... <laughs> What are we, what's going on here, Helen? I mean, what? You, yeah, yeah, the drum set is not very... I mean, yeah, you got the bass drum, you got you got the snare, and you got a hi-hat. Now, listen... There's only so much variation you could have. Now, I didn't learn much on the set as a percussionist. You know, I really focused on the xylophone... Um, for your heart and was. the crash and the crash symbols like that those were the, my things, the manly the manly instruments those, the ones. yeah you know you needed a you needed a little extra muscle to hold those symbols <laughs> up but uh yeah but i you know i i dabbled i did a little wipeout one time and sort of uh, and not in this your is car. this is like she should have i think she's trying i think she's trying outside of her skill level here like if she had just stuck with a basic beat but I mean, just play a little bit more. Just listen to yeah. this, this this drum set. Wait, what are you doing a guitar solo during the cymbal solo? What's going on here? <laughs> I don't, does it count as Mike? Does it count as a cymbal solo? A when there's just one cymbal, and B when you're just tapping it over and over again. Sometimes just eight notes, just eight notes over and over again. Just <laughs> they're almost it's almost like an eighth note, and then like a tenth note, and then it goes back to an eighth note. She, she's doing some complex stuff. She, uh, you know what? She would have done real well with. Uh, what uh the wizard and the gizzard wizard uh what was king gizzard and the lizard wizard king gizzard and lizard wizard yeah yes i think she'd fit in great get those microtones out let's <laughs> let's let's make everything slightly out of tune let's get this drum beat slightly off beat and then try to get it on beat there, and were, then pe- there just- were people who tried to argue that they were actually brilliant musicians doing things like microtones and polyrhythms uh but no that that the, the- <laughs> Dot confirmed later on, we just made mistakes. But isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting in music how sometimes you can get so bad, you can get to the point where it's actually incredibly difficult for professional musicians to do what you're doing? Right. So these these professional musicians are trying. And then it gets you thinking, though, next time. I mean, so, yeah, so, like, they are playing something so bad and so illogical and following, you know, uh, trying to follow rules and then breaking every single one of them. Uh that it makes me wonder though it would be impossible to recreate but do you think that they themselves can even recreate it like well if you go to see the shags live at two different concerts are you going to hear this the same uh that little sports car or so am i going to hear this so, and be like oh this is a little different so you're saying it's like trying to it's like trying to forge a jackson pollock painting exactly exactly and mike or 
I am or if Jackson Pollock uh, tried crap. to paint it twice. Ah, uh, crap! I I didn't throw the I didn't throw the paintball at the right angle at the piece of white canvas like I did the last time. Oh, I didn't I didn't roll myself in orange paint enough like I did the first time. Ah, oh, crap. <laughs> Mike, that is an excellent question. I'm so glad you brought it up because it's like an almost artistic quandary. If you accidentally make art, how do you recreate it? And I will say, stay tuned for the second part because that exact thing may have happened. Ooh. Uh, I'll tell you, this part two, I can't oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm really working on build, like, I, we, we don't do many two-part episodes, so I'm really working on building the tension. Uh, but seriously, there, the, what happens after this album is very interesting. Um, but in the meantime, they still don't know what happens to this little sports car. When I got in, he was gone. I don't know where I went wrong. I went wrong. The, the car had sunk into the swamp at that point. They just arrived a little too late. <laughs> I went fast, it was late. I knew I had no time to And then we gotta hear the finale. I turned around and headed for home. I learned my lesson never to wrong. I learned my lesson never to wrong. 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 What? The hell happened here? So can you scroll up a little bit, Nick? I, I'm yes. a little confused as to what happened with the scores. All right. So they see the sports car and they start following this guy because they're stalking him. Yes, they are the stalkers in this instance. And they're like, "Oh, he's going, he's going fast. It's like he's trying to get away from us or something." <laughs> and he's, he, shit, well, it's he's, the shags. He's, it's the shags. Cheese it. <laughs> they're gonna play music at us. Quick, Charlie, put your put the pedal to the metal. But yeah, that little sports car, um, I think it's going to be the tie-in theme to the next Fast and Furious movie that's coming out, because uh, it basically describes the same incident. But then they get to their next song, which is Who Are Parents? Now, once since we all now, you the listeners and my two co-hosts, we collectively know the situation under which this album was made, I think this song is actually very illuminating. So this is the song, Who Are Parents? Question mark. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that's what cool kids are all about. You know, I got a funny feeling that the dad wrote this song. You jumped the gun on it, Mike, but that's 100%. The more I listen to this... <laughs> I mean... And that would make more sense in terms of my thesis that a lot of these songs are going to be cheap knockoffs of more popular songs from the 60s. If the dad wrote this, he probably tried his hand at original songwriting. Yeah, Who Are Parents is just a ripoff of the mamas and the papas, obviously. No, I understand. I probably should have waited for the next stanza here, but I mean, I'm even after this first one, after everything we talked about these girls and being forced to do something they don't really want to do and just doing it for their dad because he's like, I mean, you all got to do this. Like... Could, that is so loaded, by the way. Could you imagine your parent? Usually, parents say when you're a little kid and you have to, you know, eat your veggies or go to bed early. Your parents say, "Cause I said so," is like the cliche default response. Could you imagine asking that, saying, "Why?" And they said, "Because your grandmother read my palm 15 years ago and said that's what should happen." Imagine that's your, your default. Eat your Brussels sprouts, children. Why? Because it's destiny. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I th I'd jump on board that reasoning real quick instead of, I said so. I said so. What do you mean just because you said so? Well, what does that mean about anything? What if you said, well, you're not always right, but destiny. Because oh, some cosmic <laughs> universal power said so? You're, you're telling I have a destiny? You're telling me I got purpose? I mean, that's, it's that's your what destiny people destiny to eat these string beans. I didn't even want to get into the Freudian, Carl Jungian reading you could do on the fact that their dad's mother said in a palm reading that he was going to marry a strawberry blonde woman. Can you imagine the deep manipulation of that mother to just tell her son, it's destiny you'll marry a strawberry blonde woman? Like, she could have said anything to try well, to influence what her son would become. 
Well, yeah, but Nick, if it's not in the palms, then she wouldn't say it if she's a real palm reader, right? Also, that kind of manipulation <laughs> would just be Freudian, not Jungian. I suppose, yes. Well, I would argue there's aspects of the collective unconsciousness that the Shags were tapping into that would be more Jungian, but specifically with a family relationship, yes. Tune in to our new psychology podcast, coming soon on Dapper Devil Productions. <laughs> Where we the, And the premise of the podcast is we just take every artist we covered on the Song Topsy Report and do a purely psychological analysis of them. <laughs> I'm not touching Lil Pimp, though. What, so the Psych Topsy Report? Is that what you're yes. saying? Was? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. That was definitely the title that we had planned all along. It's too good. Hey guys! Hey guys! Uh, yes, yes, Steve. Guys, do you know who understands? Do you know who just understands? Parents. Parents. I Parents they... just do understands. <laughs> Will Shaggy Smith. That's. I think that um yeah Will Smith's and DJ Jazzy Jeff's uh, hit song was actually a response to this, much like academic papers will respond to uh, previous ones that are made. I wish that the dad made a guest like rap appearance uh, in this song. Ah, <laughs> uh, could you imagine if the progenitors of rap and hip hop were the Shags? Just yeah. three, three, three basically homeschooled girls from Fremont, New Hampshire, in the late sixties. Like, <laughs> my name's Austin Wiggins, and I'm here to say, forcing my kids out of school is the only way. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, you were saying. No, but uh, like when they asked, like, who are parents? You know, I could imagine him coming in like, parents are the ones who really care. Parents are the ones who are always there. I'm your dad and I love you very much. So make all this music and we'll make a couple bucks. I mean, something like that. You know, I, I, could, I could see him. Play could these him. instruments or you won't get lunch. Oh, that, was, that would be more there accurate. There you go, Steve. There you go. They actually said at certain points when they were kids and they were um, like left on their own to do like band practice, quote unquote, they would just sneak off and like go like hang out by themselves just like and basically just not play their instruments. They would they would actively seek times to get away from it. I was going to say, so uh, guys, guys, you want to, oh man, dad's not paying attention. You want to sneak away? Yeah, yeah, let's sneak away. And they go and they do their homework. (laughs) They seem like responsible, bright young kids. Just, just a complete because everything else is just the complete opposite of the usual narrative of like, oh man, I just want to play my, I just want to play my music and live my music, man. Yeah. I'm gonna, who cares about school? Oh man, let's, uh, dad's not paying attention. Let's drop all of our homework and go, go jam out. No, it's like let's drop all of our homework. Yeah, and go learn to drive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the dad's really pushing that rock and roll lifestyle, like. <laughs> Truly, you, smoke, go, you smoke girls this. should be trashing smoke hotel this. rooms, smoking weed. What are you doing? Like, start smashing these guitars on stage. Let's go. I'd rather just learn how to do my taxes, Dad. Are you the shags or the drags? Let's <laughs> go. Uh, <laughs> I didn't raise a bunch of squares. Who are parents? Par- people who don't raise squares. <laughs> Uh, I'm the cool dad. I'm the cool dad. Okay. Not cool, but possibly cruel, because the second verse I feel like is the most illuminating on this. Some kids think their parents are cruel just because they want them to obey certain rules. Then they start turning from the ones who really care. Turning, turning from the ones who will Some kids think their parents are cruel just because they want them to obey certain rules. They start to lean from the ones who really care, turning away from the ones who will always be there. Girls, girls, I need you to do definitely written by their dad. Girls, I need you to. Uh, we're gonna take that last. We're gonna take that last stanza again. But can you do it more like Jimmy from South Park? I just want to hear it. I just want to hear it sound like Jimmy from South Park. All right, take it again. Let me hear that again. Because 
Nobody, nobody speaks like that. How dare you besmirch the wonderful natural accent of New Hampshireans all over this great country, but mostly in New Hampshire. Do you think uh, the dad was like, all right, you girls, uh, you, maybe they got in trouble, right? He's like, you screwed up. You have a choice. You're either grounded for two weeks or you're going to play this song I wrote. Mm-hmm. About how you, you know, you know, you may call me cruel, but you gotta obey these rules. And then tell me how, you know, how great I am as your dad. Yes. This whole, yeah, <laughs> somehow this album is about stroking the ego of the dad, which is, ugh, ugh. Nick, can I, can well, I ask you, you a question? Don't, you don't like a little daddy ego stroking, Nick? I don't like the phrase daddy and stroking in the same sentence in any capacity. Sorry, Steve, what did you just say? No, let me ask you a question out of out of character here. Hey, have you been doing your, a character your... this whole time, Steve? Who was the real <laughs> yeah. Steve? <laughs> yeah, you'll never know. Uh, w- is it your plan for us to go through each song on this album? Look, we have to we have to stare into the eye of the storm of the thesis statement of this podcast. This is truly bad, bizarre, and noteworthy. It truly, it truly, truly is. But uh, for the most part, the song just kind of repeats that parents are always there after that. Uh, so then we get into maybe their most well-known song, which. <laughs> I don't know if that's also an oxymoronic statement, but this is kind of their unofficial anthem. My pal Foot Foot. Now, Mike, you'll love this song because there's a lengthy percussion intro, and I only oh. want to hear your analysis of it. So this is the beginning of My Pal Foot Foot. Saying, saying My Pal Foot Foot is their most well-known song is the equivalent of saying World War II was Germany's most well-known war in Europe. <laughs> Nick. Yes, Mike. Let's talk about this, this drum solo. I feel like Helen sat down and was like, you know, I, I really want to give each piece of this drum set a little love. Um... Yeah, she like the case it came piece. in, but but separately, like, so as not to make them jealous against each other. No. I'm gonna give the tom a little time. I'm gonna give the snare a little time. Some tom time. I'm gonna give those cymbals some time, and I'll, you know, I'll give that little bass a little time. And then I'm gonna stop because those are the only three parts of the drum I have. <laughs> yeah, and like the uncertainty. Like going back to the beginning real quick, yeah, you can the, like the, the, the you, you hear that thumping and it's like it's like she was thinking about hitting it and just kinda like hesitated halfway through the step. And it's like, nope, committed, gotta like I'm sure we'll do another take though, where we fix yeah. it. Yeah. I think she, she's a, she's just uh, like the top. There's no beat to it. Just like uh, the foot's moving. I, I got I got worried about my hands. Like, my foot's gonna do what my foot's gonna do. I I, I just know I have to. Hit my the pal drum. foot foot is gonna do what it's gonna do. <laughs> uh, but speaking of that title character, uh, it's interesting. They did reveal what what slash who foot foot is. But I'm curious if Mike, as a first time listener, if you could tell. So this is these okay. are the lyrics to my pal. Foot. I would actually assume, if I didn't know anything else, I, I would assume Footfoot is someone on that, I forgot the name of the app, but where you can like couch surf for free and people can like host you. I'm assuming Footfoot is one of these people because uh, the Shags, the the Wigan sisters, are going to multiple people's homes asking about Foot Foot, and they're all saying that he doesn't live there anymore. Foot Foot. Do you think you know who Foot Foot is, Mike, at this point, or do you need to hear a little more? Oh, I think the only thoughts I'm having are slightly offensive, so why don't we just... <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on, then. <laughs> yeah, like... Foot Foot always likes to roll. My pal Foot Foot, Foot Foot, now he has no home. Where will Foot Foot go? What will Foot Foot do? Oh my god. 
Foot Foot is the shoeless homeless guy who lived on their corner that they used to bring sandwiches to every Tuesday. And uh, he, <laughs> well, he's gone now. He probably died from a heroin overdose under the bridge. I mean, this is terrible, Nick. This is a dark fucking son. Is that who he is? Uh, Foot Foot is a cat. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very close. So, so close, Mike. Uh, yes, Foot Foot is They a... were both shoeless, Nick. I had that. Although I will say... Hang on, I'm going to pull this up. Um... <laughs> Wait! So, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> it's a cat. Yes. So they show up looking for this cat, and so and a bunch of people come out and say, Hey, yo, Foot Foot don't live here no more. Have you seen the missing cat posters all over goddamn town? Yeah, you can't come pet our cat today. We're all grieving. Well, Mike, we know they've been forced to play their instruments and do band practices. They probably missed the memo. They're not at school. They're not hearing from the kids where Foot Foot is. What do those shag girls want today? Oh, they wanted to see Foot Foot. And then they just break down in tears. Oh, Foot Foot. Now he's one Foot Foot in the grave. But they actually did, they released, uh, not not a single, but like a reissue, where they did an illustration of what Foot Foot looked like, and it has confused people quite a bit. Yeah. This is, this is Foot Foot. Oh, God. Oh, which God. people have described, look up, look, look this, just Google the Shag's Foot Foot, and you'll see what Foot Foot looks like. People have described it as a cross between a cat and a whale, but this is supposed to be a cat. We might, okay. post, we might post this on social media. This might be the post. So, so I'm I'm gonna guess. You know what? What? This makes sense. I'm on board with this. I like foot foot. Let me tell you what. I I follow a cat on Instagram called Parasic Duck. It is a two-legged cat ah. that runs around like a little velociraptor. I'm guessing Foot Foot was a two foot uh, two legged cat, possibly, because I, I only see two legs in this photo. And the name makes sense; like the name Foot Foot would then make sense. Oh, you can or, buy T-shirts. Or there's another possibility, guys. What? The song was written by children. They're 18. Well, oh. I mean, what do you? I, I don't know. I don't know, Steve. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do they seem like well-adjusted teenagers, Michael? Do they to you? Do they seem like children who you, grew up grew up with a childhood that got to do things? Are you calling them young of heart and mind, Steve? Perhaps that. Can I just say first off, like there is there is a level of innocence to their music that I won't let either of you guys touch. So help me God. The other thing I will say is yes, Steve. To your point, I feel like. Teens who were this music sounds like teens who were probably probably at the kind of upbringing where they were forced to leave school and play instruments. And thirdly, I will say they did after their music career have perfectly normal, well-adjusted lives with families and day jobs, and they left their music behind. Right. Please, please tell me they went to college. Please tell me everything. One of them went to college. I think so. I'll have to look that up. What? Why? Why does that matter, Steve? Why does it matter if you go to college? You know, what if they went because to trade they school and learned because, learned a nice trade? Like maybe they're all because, electricians, plumbers, and um, and car carpenters, and car mechanics you know? with little sports cars, and, and car mechanics <laughs> because they because they just they they wanted they wanted to learn. Look. You know what? You know what a lot of people learn by going to college? They learn that they just wasted a fuck ton of money. That's <laughs> what they learned. <laughs> I mean, well, like, I think college is important. I think an education is important. But I don't think because people don't go to college, that makes them any... Well, we, here, why? first of all, why did you get all of a sudden so defensive? Because I said, I hope they went to college, that doesn't necessarily equate that I had a problem with trade schools. You took it to seem that I had a problem with trade schools. So the problem, sir, is yours. Your prejudices have caused you to lash out at me without any provocation. So maybe you got to take a look at your life and Guys. how you've chosen to... No, 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 shut up, Nick. No, we're not talking about the shags anymore. <laughs> maybe... 
Maybe you should take a look at your prejudices and how they impact me instead of why do I, why do I always have to be the one to care about how my prejudices have impacted you? Something tells me this is See, about more than just foot foot, Steve. This is the red versus the blue, Nick. I could find you. I've looked here, I've looked there, I've looked everywhere. Oh, foot foot, why can't I find you? Foot foot, They're going to be late for band practice if they don't find Footfoot in time. <laughs> they don't seem to care very much for their cat. They're trying to find Footfoot. Yeah, but they don't got time. Uh, God, I wish I could continue looking for my cat, who I supposedly love, but I can't. I just don't have time to, to do this today. Guys. Oh, come on. I mean, you, you never lost a dog and just said, ah, fuck it. They better find their way back. I can't no, keep doing I have this. not done that. I <laughs> very honestly can say that I have not abandoned a dog to its, its fate. It's not abandonment if they ran away from me, okay? I just said, <laughs> like, that's their problem. It's like, you want to leave this nice warm home with all this food? That's okay. Um, well, wait, come, wait, Mike, is back. it the dog's fault? The dog who is instinctually bred to love and obey humankind, is it his fault that he ran away? Or maybe is it the fault on the sapient creature that owns him that has control over his life? Maybe if this dog wasn't so insistent on going and getting all the smells and smelling the other dogs in the neighborhood and just knew to stay put. But you know, perhaps that comes with obedience training. But I was a young, I was just a young teen back then, Steve. Thank God, thank God for electric hey, fences. Hey, that's the, that's what hey, we needed. That's that's how I, that's, that's how no, Austin kept his children from escaping band practice too. That is that is not an excuse, Mike. The Shags were teenagers and they managed to cobble together a music career. Yeah, you could fucking own a dog. Did they cobble together a music career, Steve? It's pretty cobbled to me. <laughs> Well, unfortunately... We're talking about them, aren't we? That is true. Please come to me, foot now that you're here, won't you come home? Foot foot, promise me this, that you will never again know. Well, I'm glad they found foot foot. Although, I gotta say, you know, it's a dangerous world out there for a two-legged cat. Assuming. We don't, like, I mean, we're only going based on the illustration of foot foot. Like, how is Foot Foot going to eat rats and, and birds? I mean, it doesn't, it, no claws. I mean, well, maybe the back. Like, Foot Foot would have to be doing, like, like a lot of one one pod balance, like, karate kicks with, like, the claws on his right or left paw there to try to. Could you imagine a cat, like, attacking birds and rats with, like, one leg? I want to like, see <laughs> a, like, movie adaptation made about foot foot that just totally entertains this notion of foot foot fighting with two legs maybe foot foot maybe foot foot is killing them via its scorpion tail get over here yeah it does it does have a very scorpionish like tail in this photo yeah i might Uh, have to buy this shirt guys i'm looking at i'm not gonna lie nick i think there needs to be a b movie made immediately Called Foot Foot. The main theme song will be the Shags, my pal Foot Foot. And it is about the adventures of this two-legged cat uh, when it ran away from home that one day. And, like, the a subplot could be the Shags, uh, you know, the, the day in their lives. I, I think there might be something to that, Mike. I think I don't know if it's good, but there's something. <laughs> Nick, uh, it can't be good. It's about the Shags. It's got to be... So bad it's good, you know? <laughs> well, so actually, I mean, that would... that This whole premise where hypothesizing is predicated on where the shags are currently. But we're going to have to get to that next episode. Because what we're going to do... I think we got to wrap it up here. Uh, but next episode, we're going to cover the latter half of this album. Because my personal favorite song on this album is actually in the latter half. And then within the past four years... There's been some interesting developments with the Shags that we will we will discuss then. But uh, that is that is the end of part one of Philosophy of the World, the album by the Shags. God, I hope at least some of you tune in to hear more of this next week because it's important. This is important music. The greatest drop-off in listenership any show has ever <laughs> recorded. 
Look, <laughs> you, you're here to, for a bad music podcast. We're covering the mother load, so I don't know why you wouldn't want to tune in. Um, but we have other other jams and bops coming up, like I'm So Happy When You're Near, Sweet Thing, It's Halloween, Why Do I Feel, What Should I Do, We Have a Savior. There's just more and more hits coming up, folks. Uh, so. That's another one written by the dad. Yes, we have a savior. His name is Dad. <laughs> is It's Halloween the favorite one you were talking about, Nick? You're going to have to tune in to find out, Steve. Uh, and so I'm we- not going to be here. Yes, you will, Steve. <laughs> We all agreed to be here for this, Steve. Steve, much like the sh- much like the uh, shags themselves, you don't have a choice. You have to be here. So until next week, uh, you're gonna have to wait for that. But in the meantime, follow us on social media uh, if you're not doing so already. There's lots of fun stuff there posted, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Brigadier. And Mike, where can we find you in the meantime? You can find me on my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMr.dot. And, uh, yeah, like Nick said, you know, uh, tune in. Tune in to our next episode, part two of this. And in the meantime, why don't you send us your song suggestions of your favorite bad, bizarre, noteworthy music for our listener-submitted episodes. And, um, yeah, um, you know what? Why don't you, for today's poll, ah, ooh, I want to I wanna ask something about what, okay, if you... Could have a pet animal that's supposed. This is okay. <laughs> what four-legged creature do you think would look real cute if it <laughs> only had two legs? That's kind of fucked up, w- Mike. Would you like to see? No, no, but like, but like, it, it, it works. You know what I mean? Would you like to see an elephant uh, or a giraffe? Do you want to see or- an elephant <laughs> mutilated? Do you want to see a giraffe mutilated? <laughs> They're not you mutilated, Nick. They just had to undergo surgery where they lost their front two legs, but they still function normally. It's not morbid. It's just interesting. <laughs> <laughs> sure, listeners, yes. Let us know which animal for... Well, you, you can construct the narrative oh. yourself, listeners. For whatever reason, they had to humanely lose two of their limbs. What would be the or, cutest? Oh, or, 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 or what would you name your amputated pet? I like Would that it too. be leg leg? <laughs> Would it be Stump Stump? My pal's <laughs> name is No Head No Head. Oh, my. Oh. oh no. You know, some chickens can survive if you cut off the brain just right. Mike the headless chicken. I mean, maybe that was just one chicken, but <laughs> one very skilled chicken. And Steve, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at your man Trollo, on my personal website, StephenDrollinger.com, and on the Dabber Devil Productions website as well. Lovely. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on this journey uh, that will continue next week. And until then, I'm Nick Breedier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm about to accidentally drop a hammer on my computer. Oh, no. No, Steve. Steve. You're you're purposely swinging it down right now. Uh, And we'll see you next week. Take care.